it's weird because Chris is such a a humble guy, a humble, nice guy. So it was weird having him play Sergey, and he's a country guy. Like if you talk to him, he's got the 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 the, the southern twang and everything. You know, he, he's just a down home country white guy. You know, who's who's got a really big heart and um, it's really heavy into his faith. So having him play this ice cold killer that came off pretty convincing, I might add, was really great to see. He was the get stuff done kind of guy and he didn't really have emotion behind it. You know, he did what he had to do. He he, he served out his orders and and that was it. You did not want to see him in a dark alley. Hello, I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And you're listening to The Wire Stripped, the show where we watch The Wire every week. Every week and we hear from some of the cast, some of the crew, some of the super fans and we also get to hear from you guys too. Today you're going to be hearing from Chris Bauer, lots of Chris Bauer, who played Frank Sabatka because he's features prominently in this episode, uh, and his uh, Robert Hogan, who played his brother Louis. And this episode that we're going to be watching is season two, episode eleven. It's a yes. cracking episode. And we talked about last week having lots of people talking about the things going on in the previous episode. This episode is even bigger in terms of what happens. So please do get in contact with us, guys, on social media. We are at the wire stripped on twitter on facebook and on instagram instagram's blown up today uh, with you with the interaction with you guys which is fantastic so please do get in contact with us he got the fire and the fury at his command well you don't have to worry when you hold on to jesus hand We'll all be safe from Satan When the thunder rolls You gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole Hi Kobe Hey, hi Dave How are we doing? It's quite cold. It's quite it's cold. It's freezing. <laughs> the, the weather has changed. Yeah, the smash cut from last time an episode came out. You can hear. We're at. Is we're that a seagull? Canal. We're at canal. I think that. I think they're geese. Oh, okay. Geese? Do they yeah. live by canals? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Great. They're Get like in water. touch, nature. You're Let so. us know. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, yeah, we, as Kobe said, we're by a canal because yeah. we are committed to this show, and we thought the only way we should round out the last two episodes. It's by sitting next to the kind of thing that Frank Sabatka would like to dredge. He just wants to dredge this shit right up. <laughs> All the dredging. <laughs> this, do you think this one's been dredged? Oh, looks, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? There's lots of redevelopment around here uh, in okay. central London, so there's got to be some dredging. Surely. <laughs> what, can I, what, what central canal wouldn't have been dredged? <laughs> wow. The, the one in, in the wire. Or the wire. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that one. <laughs> I mean, we could just sit here saying the word dredge over and over again. It's a great word. Let's talk about this episode. Um, So we're talking about season two, episode 11, Bad Dreams. I, for me, I will say, I think this is the episode of the series. It's, on rewatching, this is like super harsh. I think the first time I saw it, the first time I saw this episode, I didn't quite get what was going on. But now, in hindsight, each time I've watched it since, I'm like, oh, this is the one where... He does the long walk, as I refer it to, to other people. Um, oh. So many, such a cool, The fade cool, to black. Yeah. Oh, powerful <laughs> stuff. But yeah, you're right. This is, it is hard 
to watch this episode because mm. this is, it's the culmination of the tragic storylines, isn't yeah. it? You, you know, and they've been setting this up for so many episodes, but this is the this is the breaking point for the Sabatka family, really, and the dock workers. I mean, just to, just to think, Frank. You know, Frank's been arrested, uh, warrant out for for Nick yep. uh, on heroin charges. Ziggy's in prison for murder. It's like, how did it all go so wrong? This, well, let's get let's get to it. The way it went so wrong is because the Sabotka detail are on point for a lot of it. And you talked about the arrests. Yeah, so uh, I guess, as always, we're going to do the storyline by storyline. So the Sabotka detail, this, the, the show, the episode starts really with the... <clears throat> the arrests they're crack they're cracking down mm. uh, finally they've got enough to to wrap this thing they've up they've got enough pc yeah <laughs> <laughs> is that what they say <laughs> so uh, we start with uh, you know it's daniel's bunk kima and freeman and they they're in double g's warehouse but the place has been completely yeah. stripped uh, elsewhere kima is finding cocaine residue in the drain bunk finds a blood patch um, but it's it's completely empty because it's a murder scene, but everyone forgot to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking landsman. It's just, it's just this ineptitude that's still like, from the outside looking in, you just think, guys, it's, yeah. it's simple. There must be some kind of system which tells you there's a murder. Just send it to every person who might be interested in the cops and they can just read through like, the daily, the daily like, rundown of murders that happened last <laughs> night. Check for anyone you know. Oh, no, okay, he's, he's alive, he's alive. Glicus, oh. Glicus is on our board. Maybe we should check him out. He's on the dead board. Yeah, he's on. He's on the. He's, now he's now he's deceased. They do uh, have a communications issue, don't they? They have. Yeah. Like like any big um, organization. Organization. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, and particularly when they didn't have like real proper computers or uh, or anything. So I thought, yeah, it was a really interesting thing to to illustrate that in organizations this big, things slip through the and cracks, sprawling. and it can really matter, and, and it had such an effect here. And it's on its rewatch where I realised how fractured each department was. The homicide department is completely different to narcotics. And I just thought they were like two different police departments. The Western and the, and the, the, south, the south and everything, they just work independently from each other. Yeah. And they only come together when they're being bollocked for the Comstat with the, with the well, season three side of things. And they even have different agendas. Yeah. Based Absolutely. on who's in charge, yeah. which is really what this whole season's about. This I mean, season is all Valchek. about Valtek being in... <laughs> <laughs> Stained glass window. Let's not forget why we're here. And actually, while I was watching this, I was thinking, you know, we, we see, like, so many repercussions mm. here throughout, throughout, you know, we've got all these arrests. Frank, uh, Frank gets arrested. Double G's dead. Ziggy's in prison. Nick, all because of a stained glass window. <laughs> what, <laughs> what a senseless waste. Um, so the rest, one thing that's really cool, yeah, so the, in the previous episode, the Greek said, like, let's throw everything away. And that's what, as well as the death of Glicus, that's what um, Bunk, not Bunk, uh, Freeman and Daniels, they're just coming up, to em- they're coming up empty. Every single, every single drawer they open, there's nothing in there. Um, because the Greeks are just on it, with the aid of the FBI, of course, who just says, hey, you've been watched took everything away <laughs> and so they do um, but we do get some arrests Serge comes in we're in quite a, in quite a bit of a brawl doesn't he um, he's in bed oh just what dive a fight in. he put up <laughs> amazing um, and Herky Carver finds some money um, in, in Nick Sabotka's in Nick Sabotka's uh, basement jackpot yeah with his, his his girlfriend's there whilst Nick's in bed with Prissy that, that girl that was supposed to be pregnant with, with Ziggy's baby 
I think that's her. Oh, is that who that was? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, I didn't connect those pieces. All I right. thought I thought she's a random sister. I thought like Nick had had sex with like Ziggy's sister the first time I saw it. I thought it's like uh, I His thought it was some weird kind of incest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that was for that moment where Herc and Carver found the money. Did you think that they were so excited because they were going to keep it? I thought they were going to put some money in there. Yeah, yeah. Because especially after you know we had that they had that moment in season one where you know they they sort of toyed with the idea. Yeah. But no, they they just pretty much were just so excited because they 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 had achieved something. Stuff. <laughs> um, Daniels is pissed off when he finds out. <laughs> I, I love a pissed off Daniels. Oh, there's nothing better. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's his mo. Really, <laughs> he's just got such a good. Um, indignant face doesn't he <laughs> and he's this he's the parent that gives you the silent treatment um, and you know it just says i'm so disappointed because he's not turns, even angry he just rocks up he just rings up landsman who caught the case landsman i'll be over there and landsman just is that cowering like i'm sorry sir i forgot i should have like told you something and yeah daniels doesn't really speak there he just looks at him gives him proper stern face yeah Landsman's blubbering, <laughs> blubbering away. You, I, I, mean, I felt a little bit sorry for Landsman here because he just had this hangdog expression because <laughs> there was nothing else to say. It, w- it was, it was rough. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. It's my bad. Uh, and then we get some excellent BD action. Oh yeah, sorry, White Mike gets arrested as well. So it's only White Mike, Eitan, and and Spiros get get nabbed. So they're quite high, but they're not the the main guys. They're not they're not Vondopolis. No, the Greeks not been taken down. It's a good effort, though. They pulled in, yeah. you know, this, I mean, as we see, this is a solid, solid case. Yeah. And they got, like, 90% of the gang. So do you think they just left, you think Spiros and the Greek just left Sergei and Eton just out in the wild so that the police would get something? Good question. I don't know. Um, I, think, I think the police were, uh, I think the police rare, um, rarely were one step ahead mm. of... Um, Spiros and the Greek in that in this in that instance, case. yeah. Okay. I think they knew they knew to um, clean up the double G murder, but I don't think they re- and they were being cautious. We've seen them be cautious these last few episodes, yeah. but I don't think they were quite aware of just how advanced the police's case were, was. Yeah. And in the bid to try and get more information, they send Beady out on a on a on a trail. Yeah, brilliant. It's like Detective One Hundred One, <laughs> isn't it? It was literally because. Kima just says to her, yeah, just uh, use the city. Reflections, anything. And she just walks off and was was amazing. But also, she did look like she was following him. Like, there was no... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, jumping in the lift with him and then, like, let him out first, then follow him down the corridor, and little sneak around the corner. Yeah. It was kind of like... I mean, all right, I'll be honest. It's not... Um, it wasn't the most suspenseful thing no. <laughs> I've ever seen. And, I mean, it's not... We, we've seen this thing done a lot better in sort of a thriller action movie or something yeah absolutely but it, you know it's a, it's a nice little moment it's it's almost again it's more the culmination of uh, bd begins and her uh, her journey to becoming a real police officer and and that that natural talent being sort of finessed into something well it's a little bit cheeseball though well know? there's there's a really cool there's a really cool scene where bunk and bunk and McNulty are in the car they're just watching outside checking checking her progress and bunk's like bd russell she ain't much. She wasn't much when she first arrived here. And then Minolte's like, "Yeah, now she got game." And that that just sums it up in one big fell swoop. Is that now she's got game? And yeah, it's brilliant. 
I thought I thought I'll be honest though. I thought that dialogue was a little on the it nose. It was corny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but like it brings it back to we, the game. we get it. We're wa- <laughs> we're watching this show. Beatty Russell. She wasn't much when we started, you know. But now she's got game. So that's the uh, that's everything that's happening with the the police. Meanwhile, down at the docks, we see Nick's side of things mm. uh, as he returns home to a scene of destruction. His mother and father are cleaning up the house. Uh, neither of them are speaking to him, and it's like he kind of just knows something. He's he's really fucked up. Yeah. And uh, his dad just tells him that uh, there's a warrant out for him, yeah, and it's just such it. a disappointed dad thing. I I'd fe- I kind of just felt oh this is. Real awful, awful stuff. Yeah, to have to... You're staying at your parents' house because you're down and out, and his dad has a higher mor- a moral standing than, than Frank Spocker does. And you can tell it kind of tears a hole in him and, and his wife that they've lowered themselves to to you know, dealing drugs. And yeah. even even stealing petty stuff, I don't think his dad would have been... Well, he, well, we find out later that his dad just wasn't happy with the knowledge that they were, were doing petty crime no. on the docks. The di- I mean, we, we talked about the sort of disappointment that Daniels conveys, which is almost humorous, <laughs> but the disappointment here I felt, I just felt in my gut. Yeah. And I thought the, um, the uh, actor, uh, Robert Hogan uh, is his name, who plays Louis Sabatka, I think sells it. Yeah. That, that crushing s- disappointment so, so well. Well, you see him just trying to clear away the basement and, trying to get things back in order and Nick's in the background just looking at his dad you can see that the way he's holding himself that um, the way Louis Spock is holding himself that he's just like crushed yeah mightily and then we have the, the chat with Louis and, and Frank later on where they're discussing like what's happened to their sons and what's what's happened to their lives and that's a powerful scene yeah um, well let's talk a little bit about um Frank, I guess, and um, yeah. and those scenes because I think Frank has sort of three, um, like, incredibly powerful scenes. Yeah. Some of the best in all of the Wire, yeah. I would say. And Chris Bauer is the out and out sort of star of this. Well, this pro- season, probably really. the season, yeah. yeah. But this episode, oh. he's in, he's just a tour de force. He's amazing. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit more about about that one. The um, the one with him and his brother. I thought it was just really sad to have two men sitting across from each other like their failures literally in between them and they're such spectacular failures like their their sons are in the worst possible situations that could have happened and it's weird because not weird um it's interesting how frank knows more about what's going on with his own son and nick he knew that they were stealing and he but he also knew that if if louis knew that it would be a whole different kind of uh ball game and when, you know, Frank, I don't know if he lets it slip or if he, st- he thinks maybe it's time to fess up and says, you know, I knew they were boosting stuff, but just minor stuff. And Louis just like turns and says, you knew that once they got a taste for it, then, it, you know, it's it's a different, you know, it's game over for them. They Now they can get money for, for free almost. Then they're going to, where else are they going to go? And I think you're right. And I think this is the, this episode is about sort of Frank's realization of his own failure mm. and f- it is. That that failure is on Frank because yeah. you're right. Louis Louis is clean, and Frank, as he says in the epigraph, needs to get clean because he he has the he's the one who's fucked up royally yeah. by compromising his own ethics to try and do something good. He's essentially infected his own his nephew Louis' son because the failure is entirely with him, 
and he neglected to pay any attention to his son who yeah. just got dragged down in the muck with him so that i guess this is it's it's cost isn't it this is this is the cost this episode is all about the cost of all of frank's actions we should have paid more attention to our own i could have stopped ziggy from what he'd done like anyone could ever control him i was thinking of my boy too playing that scene with him you know sometimes you look at a guy's face and i worked with a lot of good actors so Sometimes, but sometimes you work with guys who are just not thinking, you know, they're just repeating lines. Well, he was wonderful. So it was like arguing with my real brother, which we did a lot. We had a chat with Robert Hogan, who played Louis Sabotka. And then when he got into that mess more so that it affected our family, it really was fertile territory to to deal with in the writing you know we could just recite the, the writing and it would work but with all this other kind of similarities in our background and way we act it was it was great because it really got tense without screaming and shouting and pounding on things but you know when we looked at each other's eyes there was a person there and so it made it, you know, a delight to work that scene. Throughout the whole season, we've seen Frank sitting behind a desk and maybe shouting at people, shouting at police. <laughs> yeah. But this is the first time we see, like, Frank working. And he is, like, he's not the biggest guy, but he fucking motor. He, he knows how to move around those lorries. He's jumping off the trucks with big, heavy, like, I'm sure some of those barrels weighed a ton. <laughs> yeah. Floated off them. And it just, it, and I just thought, well, that's why he's the union leader. He knows how to do the stuff. He knows every, he knows this inside and out properly. Yeah. And it just takes command straight away. Proceeding to that, he, you know, he steps into the union, into the, into the union hall, and just says, right, I'm going to work for you, little big Roy, um, which I just thought was lovely in, in, in a weird way. We're both bold, we're both polex. <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah, you're right though. This is this shows. Frank's a hard worker. He's a humorous guy. He's liked. Yeah. Um, I loved that there was a, a big Roy and a little big Roy. Yeah. I mean, there's some <laughs> a of the big nicknames. Roy was so much bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the, this. They really nailed that sort of um, camaraderie and the nicknames and the banter yeah. with all the Stevie Doors. I love it when they say, "Do you know how such and such got their name?" Kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, there's always a story behind it. Exactly. Um, it's charming, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like New Charles. Yeah. When he got his name. Um, in the previous episode, I can't remember how exactly, but it was, you know, it's just kind of, you know, there's a reason behind it, and you think, I think about when, if I was to start as a, as a stevedore, you can't, you probably can't wait until you get your name. <gasps> that means you like you're in the you're in the club now. What's People your stevedore like, nickname, Kobe? Oh, it'll be uh, New Jack. <laughs> New Jack. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? I'm gonna, definitely going to start calling you New Jack from now on. <laughs> I grew up in Queens, which, you know, uh, Richmond Hill, and I actually had worked in the shipyard when I was a kid. And my, pop, my pop worked in the shipyard, and I did too, for a while, you know, when I was, you know, before I became an actor. When they came on board ship, there weren't that many of them, right? But they would be because they, you know, they'd be waiting for the winch and giving signals to the winch and stuff, and carrying stuff. 
but they all, you know, they somehow, and I, you know, they make a nice living and they're honest, most of the guys, but they also sleep on the job. And it's very weird. We'd be working in an area and they'd be sleeping in the next compartment, you know? Some of the guys I worked with were, were big guys, you know, and they delighted in taking us, you know, a sledgehammer and banging on the bulkheads when these guys were asleep. And I was like, I would sit there because I was a kid. I said, we're going to get killed, you know? But anyway, that's the kind of guys I worked with. They liked, they liked to get around, but they were hard workers. I feel like, okay, so we interviewed, um, uh, Jeffrey Pratt Gordon, who plays Johnny Fifty, yeah. and he told us that um, uh, Ziggy's character initially on on in earlier drafts was called Pinky. Right. So I feel like I'd probably be a Pinky. You'd be Pinky. Yeah, because I'm a I'm a short guy. <laughs> um, I'm quite <laughs> quite pale. Uh, I feel I feel like I'd be, You'd be pinky. I'd fit that Pinky role quite well. Okay. Yeah. Pinky and New Jack. We although speaking of Pinky and New Jack, wouldn't trust them. Um, Speaking of nicknames, though, we never find out why Ziggy has his nickname, or am I... No, 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 uh, we don't. We don't. Uh, wild speculation, welcome, please. Yeah. Burner at thewirestripped.com. Please. I'm putting up for the Cape St. George. I don't see no resemblance. We're both bald, we're both Polacks. The fuck else do you need to know? I loved the character of Frank Sabaka. I thought the performance was so remarkable. Here's Jesse Thorne from the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. I mean, I think it's a standout among standouts. You know, I think maybe I allowed myself to imagine because this character felt so human that there was a chance for transformation and vindication. And you think that maybe the price that he pays for his Frank Sabotkiness is that he is left to compromise with the authorities, right? Like, you do think that maybe what's happening with him is his comeuppance is that he does not get to be, he does not get to rule over the kingdom that he created, right? In fact, does not get to create the kingdom in a way. Um, the other, you know, there's another amazing scene with, with Frank where um, Beattie comes to see him yeah. and asks him to come forward as a witness. And I thought, that and the two Amy Ryan and Chris Bauer playing opposite each other brilliant so brilliant yeah but he I mean there's a moment where this is towards the sort of the end of the episode and he he ha- he's pretty much a broken man at this stage and he's behind his desk with a, a bottle of something and she's talking to him and he's crying and he's trying and but still his sort he's trying to save face by he's got one hand, ha- hand over his face, face yeah. and it's that for me was such a powerful moment. He's yeah. such a tragic and poignant figure. Yeah, I love that scene, um, and it's still it's testament to Beady reaching out with the, with the um, with Olive Branch in a way. She doesn't want to. She known she's known Frank for a while. He's been good to her. Uh, um, he's been a bit of bit of banter on the docks, but she's enjoyed the time knowing Frank. So there is some kinship there, and she wants to help him out because well, what she can do. I, and I loved, I loved that she did that. Yeah. Um, and it, that really stands to her character. Yeah. Like, because that's what she 
is going to be such a good police officer because she still has empathy. That compassion, yeah. And compassion, exactly. I have a romantic affection for Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan is so exceptionally, incredibly good. I, it's, I mean, she jumps, there's a lot of great acting on The Wire, and she jumps off the screen. And, you know, she's a movie star now for that reason. But I certainly had never seen her in anything before The Wire. So for me, it was like, who is this amazing woman who is so funny and so compelling to watch and so comfortably carries the the intensity and the depth that are asked of her? There's a great line. There's also a great line, which I wrote down from this scene, um, which was Frank says to BD. I knew I was wrong. But in my head, I thought I was wrong for the right reasons, you know? It's so, like, I mean, the, the writing there sums that, up that his entire That encapsulates what we've been talking about Frank for this whole season. Exactly. Yeah. Then there's, um, there's another short scene with Frank and meeting his lobbyist. Brucey. Brucey, yeah. Mm. And uh, that's basically, he tells him that it, 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 the game's over. Yeah, because Frank's been arrested. All his troubles around the union, the people that they've donated all this money to are just running for the hills because... Well, they don't want to be, they don't want to be tied with the same brush. Yeah, um, and that and that scene actually precedes the BD one. So yeah. I think that's when Frank realizes how deep his failure has yes. cut. And um, but I, for me, this this is our alternate epigraph sure. line. Um, when he sa- Frank says to to him, he says, "We used to make shit in this country, build shit. Now we just put our hand in the next guy's pocket." And I mean that. That writing is just sublime, <laughs> isn't it? It's the most traditional in terms of the story it's telling, in terms of the people uh, in the unions, the uh, stevedores. This is Dave Pickering from the podcast Family Tree. It was personal to Ed Burns because he'd seen that that kind of community, that kind of industry die. And really, season two is about... One of the things it's about is it's about what happens when industry dies and what is left. And like that is what season one was also about, but we didn't think of it that way, or at least I didn't think of it that way. Maybe maybe there's really enlightened people watching it, but you don't think, oh, all of these drug dealers are here because there's no jobs for them. But you do think when season two happens, oh, they're precarious. Oh, they they, they need to keep with those union jobs or they won't have, like they won't be able to be kind of working class people. But actually... We were watching working class people in season one. Drug dealers are working class, aren't they? They're working and they, they haven't got very much money or some of them do. I mean, actually, drug dealers are a bit more complicated in terms of class. But um, but it's about the death of, of, of industry, which is obvious in some ways. But it's, I think it's also really about the death of unions and the, the, the death of, 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 of being able to collectively organise to get things changed for you like to improve your circumstances in that way uh, hi Kobe and Dave uh, this is uh, Jamaria or Jimmy from Belgium I listen and I like the show very much and I of course love The Wire I've seen it you know the entire run of The Wire all 60 episodes already three times uh, and I'm watching along uh, a fourth time uh, with you guys and I'm discovering new 
facets and new nuances. It's an incredible piece of art. I think the best thing ever to come out from TV. My favorite moment from season two must be uh, essentially the ending of the second to last episode, episode 11, I think. When you have a montage, you have this technique where uh, different scenes are intercut together on a piece of music, which is something that The Wire doesn't do very often. Essentially, The Wire does not have a score. The end of the penultimate episode of season two is incredibly powerful with uh, all things coming together or actually falling apart. You have Frank essentially walking towards his fate. Uh, and that is something I really, really like in fiction when it's done properly. When you have a different storylines, different characters, everybody is acting according to his own motivation and character, and you understand why they're doing what they're doing, and yet you know it's not going to end well. It's going to be a word of hurt. And it's, I find it incredibly poignant, incredibly powerful. It's tragedy in the Greek sense. You set all the pieces and then you let the story unfold and in this case unfold it to uh, the bitter end. So that must be my favorite moment of all season two. Uh, keep up the good work. I really enjoy the show and I'm looking forward to the next episodes. Bye. Thanks a lot to Jean Maria, aka Jimmy from Belgium, for his burner message there. Cheers, dude. Um, Dave, can you tell everyone who's listening how they can leave a burner message for us? Well, I'd love to just hit a button and have a jingle come on, but none of you people have made us a jingle. No jingles yet. yet. I mean, what are you? What are you doing out there, guys? We're giving you this show for free. The least you could do is uh, spend uh, some time recording us original pieces of music. A jingle I mean, all the way. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, somebody record jingle a jingle all the way. Wait, jingle all the way is not a song. That's the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Movie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you re- you realized your mistake as soon as you said it. No, I, I meant I said it on purpose. Um, also, jingle bells. <laughs> a- anything to do with jingle? We need a jingle, basically. I'm just putting jingle in there to like see, like inception it into people's minds. Give us just do something with jingle. Just make us a jingle, okay? Thank you. Um, but actually, I, I'm coming down really hard on everyone. No. While you're while you're making us a jingle, leave us a burner message because, uh, like Jan Maria, aka Jimmy, we love to hear from our fans and they love talking to you. So all you have to do to leave a burner message is uh, voice memo us on WhatsApp uh, using the number plus four four seven five three four eight three one six. Five eight. If you didn't catch that number, it's on our social channels at The Wire Stripped. Yes, and if that's a bit too difficult for you guys, you can also record your voice on your favourite um, iPhone or Android phone app and send us that that file to burner at thewirestripped.com. Let's talk about Ziggy and Frank in the prison. Oh, man. This and is a heartbreaking scene. This is this is tough. This is a tough scene. And like him or love him, Ziggy is not suited for prison. I don't know who is suited for prison, but you see him come out of the pen and he is surrounded by people who are eight foot nine. Ziggy's like five foot six, possibly, very wiry, and he just sits down in front of Frank and he's 
been hit. We don't we don't know fully the extent. He seems to maybe have taken care of himself a bit, but he, the emotions on his face are just etched in etched in stone. It's it's heartbreaking. You see Frank's demeanor. Frank's that whole conversation between them is is a tough tough one. And there's there's one great line where Ziggy says, you know, the same blood that runs through you doesn't run through me. And there's a few different ways you can take this. There's one where we're just we're just we're the same family, but we we think about things differently. We have we have different courses. But the other way you can take it is that maybe Ziggy isn't actually like Frank's son. Oh, you mean biologically? Biologically. Oh, maybe. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You know, you know, and that could account for why well, we don't see Frank's penis, but why? <laughs> <laughs> Why such a short, wiry guy's got a huge cock? <laughs> um, that was a good callback. <laughs> and it might account for part of the reason why there is this kind of standoffishness between Ziggy and, and Frank all the way through the season. He's, kind of, he's brought him up as his son, but at the same time, he, I know he's not my son. So there's that, that separation. That's really interesting. Yeah, because you're right. We never, see, we never meet um, Ziggy's mother, mm. Frank's wife, or presumably... Um, we don't. We don't really get a sense of any family life or situation. No. It's just. It's always just Frank and Ziggy, and they're alien to each other. Yeah. So you're right. It's really they. They really left us to fill in the blanks. It's. An, it was a really interesting choice to make. Yeah. Uh, but then when Ziggy walks back into that pen, <laughs> it's just oh. <laughs> how long is it going to be before someone just absolutely smacks him one? He's and, not. And it's the last time we um, we're going to see him. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again. Frank Sabaka looking through that window yeah. at his son going into the, the room with those men. Like, talk about, like, they just, it's just punch after punch after yeah. punch in this episode for Frank. I think my favorite scene that I've ever played in my life is the scene when uh, I meet Ziggy in jail. Because somehow all of this was present in that scene. And what was mostly present was witnessing the the failure witnessing that it was impossible for us to transcend whatever our own barriers were as characters and as father and son. Here's Chris Bauer who played Frank Sabatka. The world was not going to permit a, uh, a connection that, um, that would give us relief. And, um, PJ James Ranson, is so insanely good. And in particular in that scene and the scene when Frank and Ziggy are walking at night. Um, uh, I think I remember, you know, when they're walking along and, and Frank has seen Ziggy burning a hundred dollar bill in the bar or something like that. Um, James is so good. He and I since then are as tight as friends can be. Um, he's like family to me. When I seen what I did to that kid down at the store, it made me sick in my stomach. <laughs> that ain't you, Zig. It ain't. Because the same blood don't flow for us, Pop. I mean, I wish it did, but it don't. You're more like me than you know. <laughs> You're Sabaka. Fucked. 
is what I am. I think the visual is fascinating. Like, do he and I really look alike? And if we don't, does that mean that I'm his biological father? You know, um, we never see the mom. And those subtle choices are so brilliant because the audience is left to try to kind of extrapolate from whatever they're presented. But with, in, with a close look, there's a lot of sort of like, you know, what, what if he was, you know, what if someone got hit by a crate and he was a baby and Frank raised him? We don't know that. I know there were a lot of plot lines that they were considering that they decided to leave out. Um, and I don't really remember what they were, but they don't, you know, it doesn't matter because all that matters is what we have. Um, but I just think that, uh, I just think that it's probably my favorite thing about the season is the contradiction between Frank's sort of uh, impatient demand that Ziggy be somebody that he isn't and his inability to write him off at the same time. He's devoted to him. And it's a real noble trait, I think, of Frank's. After Beady does um, chat with Frank, he, Frank does come in because obviously we've we've seen he is he feels I think mainly it's the emotional time with Ziggy. He's seen what Ziggy's going through. Uh, Beady says she can't offer anything but just come and hear them out. And she, well, what what has Frank got to lose? Um, and as soon as Frank comes in, Rhonda says, "Well, we can move him to county. He'll still be in jail, but at least it'll be." a lighter sentence uh, in terms of, you know, you'd be more comfortable and shouldn't get kicked around so much. And, you know, that's, for any parent, that is, if that's the best you can do for your, for your kid, that's, you're going you're gonna to do that. Um, and, and, and Frank says, it, and he's like, you know, I've got, I've got everything on all these guys. Let's just go now. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's, let's tell them. I think Frank's got nothing to lose at this stage and, no. he, and he's angry as well and angry with himself as, as much as, as anyone but I like that Frank still said he wouldn't give up a single union worker because yeah. he's like loyal to the end <laughs> is our Frank okay Omar and Brother own. yeah so Omar in this episode so we the, this plot's yeah it's like a sort of tete-a-tete yes isn't it quite quite a fight for the ages to like Heavyweight champions of the world, lethal killers, <laughs> head up against each other. Two most feared people in in the Eastern Seaboard, because obviously Brother Mazzone's from New York. He's not from Baltimore. I didn't. I didn't. Again, I like to hark back to the first time I saw this. I didn't get what Stringer was doing here. He realizes that he can't. He can't. Ha- he can't sell the drugs he wants to with Brother Mazzone on the beat. There's no way him and his guys are going to take up. You know, he, you saw how he took on Cheese. Um, there's no way his guy's going to come up against Brother yeah. Zone, and he thinks, well, I, actually, I can kill well, two and, birds. And he, needs, and he needs to do it behind Avon's back, yes. is the other thing. Yeah. yeah. So this, for him, would be the, is like the perfect crime. Absolutely the perfect crime if, yeah. it, if, it, if it went as he wants it to. <laughs> Which it, yeah, spoiler alert, <laughs> doesn't. Um, but like, I think you're right, and I think this is Stringer manipulation. Stringer is not a good manipulator, no. really, is he? He's a businessman, and he's great at that, but like, Anytime we see him trying to do stuff like this, it doesn't tend to, to work. No. He's not able to play the game as as such. He's not a master manipulator. He's not Avon. And this season, we're really 
seeing that. I think he's struggling, and there, again, the differences between the two of them are becoming more pronounced. Yeah. I think this could have worked, though, if it, if it wasn't for Omar and the way he holds himself and, the, and, his, and his moral code. Because as we... Basically, what happens, Stringer sets up Avon, uh, Stringer sets up Omar and says, well, this guy with the bow tie, he's the one that got your boy Brandon. Like, he was the one that did all the mean shit with the cigarettes and stuff and popping the eye out. And also, if this had worked, this would have got Omar off Stringer's back as well. It would have killed so many, so many um, birds with that one stone. You're, you're right. To be, no, birds in prison. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're right. The, the, plan, the plan on paper is kind of, yeah. is kind of genius, to be fair. Uh, yeah. But he doesn't warrant. He doesn't figure the fact that Omar's got his moral code, and it's great how Omar stalks out with him his own. He figures out where he's living, the secret codes, the <laughs> <laughs> to get into to get into his room. Flawless. <laughs> the system, the system will not be faulted. No, no, it's like the Enigma code. <laughs> um, but again, you know, hatches a plan that gets Kimmy and Tosha back in there so he can break into the house to distract Lamar with the little dog. He sees all this stuff, and this yeah. is just, you know, it's his classic Omar's. He's in his element. Um, Brother Muzon opens the door to a shotgun, Str- to a shot from, from Omar. I like the way he doesn't hesitate no. straight into it. Straight in. Well, it's like, it's, um, this is his job, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's just like this textbook Omar. <laughs> um, the only thing that was missing was him knocking on the door and saying, Harper Magazine, subscription <laughs> service. <laughs> Brother Mazen was so disappointed with the <laughs> yeah, lack with of the ability. Le- I know. <laughs> All he wants is this Harper Magazine. How hard can it be? And he'd be so happy. <laughs> but then you see, yeah, Omar's towering over Brother Mazen, who's injured, not fatally, but he's lording over it a bit. Um, and... This is how much he's hurt with, with the loss of Brandon still like from last season. He wants to make sure that this is the right guy that did it. And something in, in Brother Muzon's, the way he talks in the Tombra and how, you know, I'm ready to face my God. He, Omo quickly realises that he wasn't, he wasn't the guy to do it. And that's not his style anyway. He would have just shot him and made it clean and quick and got out of there. Um, Omer's too, Omer's almost, he's too smart to be manipulated this yeah. easily, isn't he? Yeah, it, yeah it, doesn't, he saw, it didn't quite add up. I thought Muzon was amazing to keep his cool mm. like that as well on the floor while he's bleeding out. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and nine at close range will do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> so calculating. It's almost like two guys talking shop, isn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you bleeding out your back, look like that bullet ball clean through. Nine at close range will do that. Brother Muzon's character came from basically the security team of the the nation of islam and the fruit of islam here's damon gordon he was a production assistant on the wire and basically back in the 80s and 90s they had a a a pretty strict uh security team where they would hire you know so if artists would come into town or or dignitaries would come into town and this was in dc as well like this dc chicago um la you know all the major cities when when important people would come into town, important black people specifically would come into town, they would hire these security teams to, um, you know, bodyguard them. So they were subcontracting out a lot. Um, and, and, and what happened was they had subcontracted through the city of Baltimore 
to sort of police uh, these impoverished areas, the hood. And um, obviously they were met with some resistance um, with, with the local drug dealers, but the drug dealers could not stand up to these guys. I mean, they literally, I remember watching uh, Fruit of Islam and Nation of Islam, like um, security commercials that would have them, <coughs> that would show them beating up these drug dealers, like coming on the turf and saying, hey, we don't want your drugs here. Uh, you know, obviously the drug dealers would, would, would bark back. The next thing you know, you know, these drug dealers are laying on their backs, getting beat, beaten up by these well-dressed, well-coiffed, <laughs> you know, men who were, were highly skilled in karate and, and all these defense techniques. Um, and, and they would use that as a calling card um, to, 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 to drum up more business. So that's where the the Brother Muzon character came from. I feel like in a lot of sense, me and Tasha, we were our own family and it was just us. This is Kelly Brown, who plays Kimmy from The Wire. I must apologize at this point because the sound quality isn't that great. And then to find somebody, you know, that was on the same level, mentally on the same level, you know what I mean? In the street sense, go-getter, hustler, um, you know, make it happen sort of mentality. It just kind of felt like a family, you know, except for Dante. You know, Dante had his jealousies and um, insecurities and he wasn't quite thugged out enough, you know, but that's all right. Everybody's different. But, um, you know, there was a little bit of tension there. But I think for the most part, it was like we found we found a home, we found a family and we found somebody that was on our level and that could also help take us to another level. So we're back with the Greeks and they are gathered together after the arrest um, trying to work out the next steps. And one thing I really love here is the Greek says to Spiros, like, we need to just sort this out. Close all the close, close all loose edges, whatever that turn of phrase is. Type all the loose edges. <laughs> ends? Type all the loose ends. Um, dot all the edges. Yeah, the cross edges. all the, the, the edges. <laughs> um, and it's really quite a nice point in it. I love how Vondas is like saying... You know, we'll take care of Nick. Nick's, Nick's a good one. Nick's yeah. a good egg. He's done well for us, and he's got potential. I think. I think Vondas was kind of seeing him as like, yeah, we can bring him up through the ranks a bit more, because um, if they make money, we make money. Side of things. Yeah, but an, an unlikely sort of uh, showing of compassion for sort yeah. of such, for people who are such cold-hearted businessmen. So I wonder where that comes from. Um, but it's really cool, and the way that he's, you know, he meets up with. Uh, the way that Spiros meets up with with Nick and says, you know, we can we can sort out Ziggy and we can make sure that he's okay, even though it turns out to be a falsehood, at least as the police say. Um, well, I guess partly it's maybe like any good, the, the foundation of any good criminal organization is loyalty, isn't yeah. it? Uh, you know, I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> Are they listening? <laughs> um, so that royal loyalty has to be rewarded and I think probably the other thing is that Vondas I think he sees a little bit of himself in Nick, in Nick maybe yeah. an earlier um sort of version of himself he's a he's a bit naive but he's he's smart and capable so he's being smart he's Sh- shame he didn't uh, extend the same uh olive branch to surge surge <laughs> in prison <laughs> and he really should have um and then we go back to there's this at this kind of time there's um, this really cool funky Greek music's going on. We have the montage. 
Yeah, and an, an very another second unexpected montage of the season, yeah. right? With a and this music was definitely non-diegetic. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, because it's definitely it's just, we're, we're smashing cuts, different things. But the previous one was um, was it was Johnny Cash, wasn't yeah, it? A few jo- episodes back, Johnny Cash, yeah, yeah. and uh, Presbyluski was um, listening to the music whilst putting fucking on the, on the on the wall. Um, but this time, it's definitely cutting across a few different a few different strands to tie them all together for us, and then it breaks when. Nick meets Frank by the by the wire fence, um, and Nick says, "You know they can help out Ziggy. They can they can get him out of prison." Um, another good scene with Frank here, which we didn't talk about before, but he he has this kind of meltdown and realizes that even he, he had the chance, he had the palm, he had the kind of the Greeks in the palm of the hand to put them away, but now he's got to do it again. He's got a better option to maybe get Ziggy out of prison fully rather than just having him in a lighter in a lighter jail. Um, and again, he can't turn it down because he's Ziggy's dad, whichever way you want to kind of throw the dice. But it's a, and it's a, a fatal flaw, really, mm. because as we see on that paper trolley in the FBI <laughs> and the fax machine and this land <laughs> All this is superbly cut together, yes. you know, as we see, because because you're watching it and you're like, well, where's this going? And then it eventually lands on uh, Agent Kutras's desk, yeah. and then the phone call happens as Frank's walking up, and you're just like, oh, this is yeah. just. The Greek steps away, looks, gets the phone, and says, "Your way won't work," and yeah. And then you fade to black. Fade to black. That's it for us for this week. Uh, we've only got one episode left, yeah. season two. It's sad, hard to believe, but very sad. Uh, but hey, there's three more seasons, so you're not you're not rid of us yet. Not quite. Uh, Port in a storm, the finale next week. We'll see you here. Yes. Um, before we go, we'd love to say thank you to everyone who contributed to this episode. We really could not do this podcast in the same way without you guys. And um, we do a lot of interviews and we do a lot of transcribing and we couldn't really do it without this great bit of kit called Sonics. That's S-O-N-I-X. And they've given us 100 free minutes to anybody who's listening. All you got to do is go to sonics.ai forward slash invite forward slash stripped. Yep. Thank you to Chris Otero and Izzy Lawrence for the amazing graphics that you guys have provided for us for season one and season two. Thanks to Martin and Sam from the Song by Song podcast who do the brilliant cover of Tom Waits' Way Down in the Hole. Yeah, the super smashing great Tom Wally, producer Tom, a.k.a. fact-checking Tom, producer. Uh, you've heard him through the, through the season, but we love you, Tom. And uh, talk to us. We're at uh, The Wire Stripped on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or email us, burner at thewirestripped.com. We're nearly at the end. Let us know your thoughts on season two. Yeah. And finally, guys, if you like our podcast tell your friends tell them to subscribe leave a review but just tell your friends because we have so many times people say wow i didn't know that this podcast existed and that means there's more people who could know about it and we'd love you just to tell your friends and we know you're already telling your friends to watch the wire those friends who haven't watched it because we all have those friends (laughs) so while you're telling them to watch it tell them to listen to this podcast at the same time it's simple absolutely All right, we'll see you next week. Yeah, catch you later, guys. Bye. Bye.
Oh, we should talk about the passport. So you would have yeah. been in your notes about the passport as well. Sure. Um, so a couple of things to point out. One is, as Frank's arrested, we see David Simon. Um, yeah, the yeah. cameo. Yeah. He's playing a journalist, He's right? Playing a journalist, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm glad you noticed that. But yeah, listen now, guys, if you watch this again, David Simon is in here as a, as a journo. How, what a great move. We didn't talk, we didn't talk about uh, Valchek's sort of uh, wanted to arrest oh. Frank in the most public manner and they're waiting for the he, journalists he is to like, arrive. He's like a kid in a candy shop. He's like, he's not in this room, he's not in this room, let's go to the next room. Oh, there he is, arrest him. He stood behind the two biggest cops. <laughs> I mean, it's just, he's been dreaming of this all season, he has. hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Fucking stained glass window, me. Oh, he's such a prick. <laughs> can, we talk, can we talk about the... The passport. The passport. So we see Spiros's passport. Yeah. Right. Well, apparently he's got all these fake passports, whatever. Yeah. But my like, name is not my name. <laughs> yeah, it's a great line. But it's um, like something out of Game of Thrones. That. Yeah, it is. <laughs> or Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um. But he he he. First of all, what are these passports made of? How yeah. bad is this counterfeiting? He ripped it up, like yeah, without so, even. So going back to 2002, passports, at least the British passport, maybe the Irish one as well, had a, a bit of heft to it. You couldn't, you couldn't just rip that up with your bare hands yeah. unless you were a strong man. No, because it's, I mean, it's an official, <laughs> it's the most important document in your whole life. It is. Yeah, it's not like, but like it had like a bit of spritz stick and a... Yeah, the photo, <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't convinced about it. I want someone to tell me what, what passport was that and was, <laughs> can you just stick any picture to that passport? Because it looked, it looked... Crap. You could see under the, yeah. the passport photo. You just think, I'm yeah. just going to rip that up and put a different face on there, and then your name's not your name. Either, okay, so there's two options here, right? right. Either um, that is exactly, <laughs> you know, e- e- either that is exactly what a, f- like a, a dodgy passport would look like, a really dodgy one, and the wire is making a bang on accurate commentary, sure. or the props department just did a big fuck up. They just, yeah. Yeah. But I, it's probably the former, considering the quality of the show, right? Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah. I'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs>